girls. Welcome back to session three of Step Into Strength. We're so glad you could join us. It is so good to be back. And, you know, I really enjoyed this last week using our study guides, growing in that confidence in Christ, not just for myself, but for others around me. Absolutely. And hey, I have got my memory verse down. How about you, Sarah? I do. Well, I'm pretty sure I do. Let me give it a shot. (laughs) Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And there it is. Not bad. (laughs) Nailed it. Hey, well, it is time for us to jump in the message. So let's join Pastor Ian for session three. Hey, I am so excited to be joining you for our third session in our series, Step Into Strength. And you know, in this series, we are looking at the book of Philippians and we are learning from the Apostle Paul, who at this time is chained in prison, not knowing from one day to the next if this is going to be the day he's put to death. I mean, he is facing incredibly difficult circumstances, uncertainty for his future, and yet he is walking through it with incredible strength and joy. It's amazing. And in the midst of it, he writes this letter to his dear friends, the believers in Philippi, to teach them how they can walk with God's strength and joy in the midst of any difficult situation they face too. And he really shares four key principles with them to help them learn how to do this. And in this series, we are learning from those four principles for ourselves too, so that we can walk with this kind of strength and joy no matter what comes our way. All right? So in our last session, we looked at this first key in the first chapter of Philippians, and that was be confident in Christ. I mean, there's no way we can walk in God's strength if we're not confident in him, that he is going to work in our lives, right? Well, now we need to understand that it's not enough just to believe and and have this confidence that God is going to work in our lives and in our situation and then turn around and have our thoughts be flooded with fear and worry and things that contradict that confidence. So... The second key that Paul shares in the second chapter of Philippians is to think like Christ. It is so important what we think, what consumes our minds. And so that's what we're looking at today. And as this chapter starts out in verse 1, Paul is really calling for them to make a shift in their thinking. So let's read this together, starting in verse 1. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Think of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. 
All right, now let's break this down a little bit. You see, Paul starts out asking his friends to think about what they have gained from relationship with Christ. He says, have you been encouraged by having a relationship with Christ? Have you found any comfort in knowing how much he loves you? Think about the benefits in your life of living in relationship with Christ. He is trying to shift their focus onto what is really important in life. And then he asked them to do something. He asked them to realize that these are the things that unite us together as believers. These are the things that we need to be keeping our focus on because this is our common bond as believers, as the body of Christ, the benefits of what Christ has done in our lives. So he's saying, think on these things that unite you rather on things that divide you. What we think about will absolutely 100% affect our relationships. You know, there is so much division in our world today. I don't need to tell you that. I just wonder if we as the body of Christ spent more time focusing, thinking on the benefits of life in Christ, what he's done in our lives, what we have because of relationship with him, how much more unity would there be? amongst us, amongst the body of Christ. Then Paul continues on and he says, don't be selfish. Well, you know, human nature hasn't changed. People were selfish in Paul's day, just like we are today. We live in a world that's selfish because we're in this world, because our human fleshly nature is to be selfish. We try to impress others. We always want to put ourselves first. But this passage asks us to do something totally different, really opposite of that, to look out for others first, to consider them as more important than ourselves. Wow. That's not always easy to do, is it? But then Paul sums up these verses with the next verse, verse 5. And this is really the verse that conveys the key that Paul is teaching us from this chapter. And because it really conveys this key, it is also our memory verse for this week to help us really remember this key throughout our lives so that we can walk in God's strength. And in verse 5, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. In other words, think like Christ. You know, these verses one through five here, we see that Paul is showing us there is such a great connection between our thoughts and our relationships with the body of Christ. So let's bring it home a little bit and, and talk about this a little bit more. If our thoughts are full of hurt, replaying the things that People have done to hurt us. Replaying hurtful circumstances. 
if we're consuming our mind and our thoughts with past hurts, what happens as a result? We end up putting up some walls, don't we? We end up withdrawing. Sometimes we even end up hurting others as a result. Our thoughts affect our relationships. What if our thoughts are full of insecurity? Thinking about, I don't really have anything to offer. I'm not good enough. I don't really fit in. What will we do? We will end up withdrawing, right? We will end up believing that other people don't want us around. Our thoughts affect the way we interact with others, our relationships. What if our thoughts are consumed with pride? Oh, I don't really need to be connected to anybody else. I mean, I don't need their wisdom. I know what to do here. If our thoughts are consumed with pride, we're not going to be connected with the body of Christ. What if our thoughts are filled with everything going on in the world around us and how overwhelmed we are? You know what? We're going to believe that we don't have time to be connected with others. We don't have time to connect with the body of Christ. And you know, so often when we are weak or weary or overwhelmed, a big part of the reason is that's because that's what we're telling ourselves over and over again. I know I've found that in my life. I've had times of thinking, oh, I am exhausted. I am so tired. And then I realize, hmm, wait a minute. I've been telling myself that over and over and over again. That is replaying up here. I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. I'm so overwhelmed. Well, of course I am if that's what I'm telling myself. We've got to recognize what we are telling ourselves because it will affect the way we interact with people. So I want to ask you, what's consuming your thoughts? You see, what's playing over and over in our thoughts directly affects our relationships. And we are not created to exist on our own. We are created to be the body of Christ. That means we need each other. We're stronger together. We are definitely stronger when we're connected with each other. You know, this year, my daughter-in-love, Ashley, she decided to homeschool. Now, this isn't something that she'd been planning for years, and it's really something that she didn't think she would ever do. And so there were a lot of questions and, you know, and I probably a little bit of nervousness and feeling like, oh, can I really do this? Am I wired to do this? But she made a decision not to do it on her own, but to get connected to a group of other women, other moms who are doing this. And then at the beginning of the year when she was feeling a little overwhelmed, like, oh, how do I do this? How do I get started? She reached out to one of the other moms that had a little bit more experience with homeschooling, and they met, and she she learned, and they shared together. And she felt so much stronger after that connection. Like, okay, we've got this. We can do this. You see, we need each other. We're created to be in connection with each other. We're stronger when we are. Think about a rope with lots of strands, a really thick rope. 
it's going to be far more difficult to break that thick rope made up of lots and lots of twine than it is a little tiny piece of twine that's just gotten off all by itself. That little piece of twine, just that single strand, is going to be so easy to break. And you know, that's what the enemy wants to do with us. He wants us to get disconnected, to get separated. When we're weak and weary and overwhelmed, he knows that that's when it becomes easy for us to separate and become isolated. And then when we're off on our own, that's when it's easy for our faith to become broken, for us to cave in, to give up. So we've got to recognize how important being connected with the body of Christ is and realize that it starts up here. It starts with our thoughts. So Paul is telling us, one key to living in God's strength is to think like Christ. And then he goes on in this chapter and he says, okay, now that I've told you what that is, let's talk about how to do that. And he goes on, starting in verse 6, to tell us about the example that we have in Jesus. And he says, let's look at Jesus' example. And he tells us that Jesus... Although he was one with God, he didn't cling to that equality when he came to earth. He didn't walk the earth broadcasting that he was God. He didn't flaunt that. There was not an ounce of arrogance within him. He came in human flesh, and he gave up all of his divine privileges. The Bible says that he came as a bond servant. Do you know what a bond servant is? A bond servant is one that's not just a servant because they have to be. A bond servant is one that willingly lays down their life, their rights, their wants and desires, lays all that aside and gives their life willingly to serve others. And that is exactly what Jesus did for us. He came to serve people, to serve humanity. He gave the ultimate example of humility and servanthood. He didn't think about himself. He laid himself aside. He laid aside his own rights to prefer and serve us. You know, Paul clearly learned from Jesus' example. In the midst of the extreme hardship and challenge and uncertainty that Paul was facing, he's chained in prison, we never once see him complaining. We never see him feeling sorry for himself. Instead, he stops. He doesn't think about himself. He thinks about others. He thinks about what he can do to encourage others. And although he's chained in prison, he writes this letter to encourage his friends in Philippi and to teach them how to walk through challenges with strength of, in God, no matter what they face. He learned from Jesus' example. I also think of this story that I heard several years ago of a woman who came to her pastor and she was 
in need of counseling. And she's crying, she's distraught, she's going through something really difficult. She says, Pastor, I need counseling. And their church had a big inner city ministry, and he said, okay, I will counsel you after you make cookies for the people in the homeless shelter. She said, uh-uh, I didn't say cookies, I said counseling. He said, yeah, I know, I heard you. And I'll give you counseling after you make the cookies. She was upset. Oh, what kind of pastor are you telling me to go make cookies when I need counseling? She left. She was upset. But he had told her, after you made the cookies, call me and I'll give you counseling. But he didn't hear from her. She was upset. Months went by. Finally, one day he ran into her at church. He said, I thought you were going to call me. Oh, pastor, I don't have time for that anymore. I am making cookies every day. It is so awesome. I'm making cookies and taking them here and there and helping people. And her whole countenance had changed. Everything about her was different because she learned this principle too. If she could get her eyes off of herself, out of her circumstances, and turn them onto people and start serving people, it changes everything. It opens the door for God to do the miraculous in our lives. Our thinking affects our connections with others. And when we shift our focus off of ourselves and follow Jesus' example, that's when we will discover God's joy, God's strength within us. Because that's when we more fully step into his nature. Now Paul continues on to tell us, not only is Jesus our example, he's much more than that too. In verse 13 of chapter 2, he says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. You see, Jesus is also the power at work within us. Now, the verse right before this, verse 12, is the verse that tells us to work out our own salvation. Now, I have heard this verse misused so many times throughout my life. And people use this verse whenever they just want to do their own thing. And they say, hey, don't tell me how to live. The Bible says work out my own salvation, so I'm going to do whatever I want, and you just mind your own business. Well, <laughs> can I tell you that this verse is not here to enable rebellion, okay? It is here giving us this sense of responsibility. It says to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. That shows us that there's a seriousness to this walk of faith, this, this walk with God. But we don't have to do it all on our own. We have the power of God living on the inside of us. You see, our lives really should be showing the world around us the fruit of our salvation. How amazing it is to live in relationship with Jesus. But it all starts up here. It all starts with our thoughts. Because our thoughts produce our actions. 
and our actions produce our course of life and the direction in which we go. So let me ask you this. If our thoughts are full of ourselves, of self-pity, of fear, of worry, of anxiousness, is our life going to reveal to the world around us the amazing fruit of living with Jesus? No, of course not. The world's going to look and say, well, you're no different than I am. But I am so thankful that this is not something we have to go figure out all on our own. Paul's saying, you have the power of God in you to help you conquer those thoughts. It's not a mind over matter thing. It's not, okay, instead of worrying, I'm going to have this thought of peace. Okay, peace, peace, peace. No, it's not this human mind over matter thing. It's the power of God at work in us. You see, the power of God will transform our thoughts with our cooperation. That's the key. You see, our thoughts are not automatically God's thoughts. Isaiah 55, 8 tells us that his thoughts are not our thoughts. That would be nice if we come into relationship and all of a sudden our thoughts are his thoughts. But that's not how it works. There is a process, a transforming process that needs to happen. And Paul writes about that very process in Romans chapter 12 in verse 2 when he says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You see, God wants to transform our thoughts. And in 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17, it says that the word of God will teach us. The more time we spend in the word, which is God's thoughts, the more we're going to start to think like him. Now, that doesn't mean that we're never going to have negative thoughts come. 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 5 tells us that we'll have thoughts that argue against the knowledge of God. But then it tells us what to do with those thoughts. It says to take them captive and to bring them into the obedience of Christ. So when we have these thoughts that argue against God and what his word says, it's our job to capture them. And then, how do we bring them into the obedience of Christ? That means we replace them with his word. We replace them with his thoughts, what he says. And when we do our part to take those thoughts captive and ask the Holy Spirit to work, you know what happens? He does. Because he's the power at work within us. And may I just suggest that we try to take those thoughts captive immediately. That we recognize when we have thoughts going astray, contrary to God's thoughts. Because you and I both know that in the matter of three seconds, a negative thought can take us in a total downward tailspin. So we've got to capture them quickly and bring them into the obedience of Christ. I want to tell you today, it is time for us to take charge of what we are thinking and stop allowing what we're thinking to take charge of us. 
I can tell you from personal experience, when I catch my thoughts, when I recognize any thoughts that are not in agreement with God's word, and I take them captive, and I replace them with God's thoughts, and I start quoting God's word, reminding myself of God's promises, you know what happens? Fear leaves. Heaviness breaks off. Offenses fall right off. Joy rises up within me. And I feel like I have been infused with the strength of God. If we want to walk in supernatural strength, we have got to start thinking like Christ. And then Paul tells us the result. In verse 15, he tells us that When we think like him, like Jesus, we will be united. And we together, the body of Christ, will become bright lights in this dark world. And that is why we're here. That's why he put us here, to show the world a different way, to reveal him to the world around us. But in order for that to happen, we've got to think like Christ. I want to pray for you today. Father, I just pray right now for every woman watching. God, I pray that you would help us to be women who would rise up and say, my thoughts are not going to take charge of me any longer. That we would be determined to take charge of our thoughts, to recognize what we're thinking, to recognize thoughts that don't line up with your thoughts, Lord, and to bring them to you, to surrender them to you. And God, as we do that, as we do our part, I pray that your spirit within us will take over and do your part, that you will give us your thoughts, that you will bring your word to remembrance, that you will remind us of what you say. God, that we will replace those negative thoughts for your thoughts, that we will see an ongoing, continual transformation in our thinking all the days of our life. And as we do, and as we learn to grow in that and think your thoughts, God, I pray that we will walk in your strength like never before. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, well, I love you girls. Looking forward to our next session together. Stay tuned for some discussion questions. What a great message. We can all learn to think more like Christ. I know that I learned my thoughts don't have to take charge of me, but I can take charge of my thoughts. Absolutely. And hey, girls, we've got another memory verse for you to get in your head, in your heart this next week. And it is Philippians chapter two, verse five, which says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Love that. Hey, remember to use those study guides this week. They will help you dig in even deeper to Philippians chapter two. Right. And hey, we're going to jump into some steady questions for you to have this time with your group. So that first question is, do you prefer to get your own way or let others have their way? Good. And the next one was, what was the most dominant thought that repeated in your mind over the last 24 hours? 
And how did that thought affect the people around you? And last question is, in what ways do you need God to continue to transform your thinking? Hey, have a great discussion with your group. We love you girls, and we will see you at the next session. Bye.